This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem at Asia Torah, overlooking the Western Wall. Assumptions. You have to live your life based on assumptions. You can't get on without it. You know, like everything you do, driving a car, there's all kinds of assumptions at play. And you need those. And those are super, super important. Like you can assume that there's going to be danger there and and make all kinds of other assumptions while you're driving. Uh, what else might be going on? Now, it doesn't mean it's necessarily true, an assumption, but but we do we do make a lot of them. And and here's the thing. The main thing is you want to make sure your assumptions are true. Now, you would be thinking if it's true, it's not an assumption. But in a way, it is an assumption because some things... It's hard to know something's absolutely true. Like you would assume, for example, glass is weaker than wood. Yeah, but tell me, is glass weaker than wood? Sometimes. Yes, yeah, so sometimes, you know. If it's, a, if it's a crystal wine glass, I would say it's weaker than wood. There are pieces of glass that you can't with that full-on axe, like the big ones, that you can't break. You know, the, so glass is, is it weaker than wood? So the answer is, well, not necessarily. And you can't assume it. Um, that there's a God. Is that an assumption or truth? So the answer is, it's for sure truth. If there is or if there isn't, that's got to be true. One or the other. That you can live your life under the assumption that there is. Is, in, in the end, it's, it's, in the end, it's like an assumption. Now, someone might say, well, why would anyone assume that? You know, it's like, why? I mean, what are you, crazy? Like, what's the definition of insanity? Insanity is being in touch, out of touch with reality, right? What's sanity? In touch with reality. What's insanity? Out of touch with reality. So if you've never had a direct, if you've never had a direct apprehension of God, so believing in such would be in, based on our definition of insanity, that'd be insane. Because you've never had a direct interaction with God, and yet you walk around not only believing in it, but aligning your lifestyle morally in such as if there is one, which means ultimately you're assuming that there's a God. You got that? What's that? With hopes in the Torah? Everything we do in the Jewish lifestyle is based on an assumption, and and including a chok. And uh, but let me just keep developing this first. So, an assumption. Uh, to, so to assume that there's even a God is is in the end like an assumption, except it's a kind of interesting assumption because it's either totally there is one or there's totally not. There's no middle, and. And so if there is, and you're assuming there is, so then you're like really in, you're living aligned with truth of reality with your assumption. And if there isn't, and you're in assuming there is, so now you're crazy. Why can't you have partial? Partial what? Let's say you, you have an assumption that. God, there may be. No, that God controls certain aspects of your life and certain aspects he doesn't control. Or it doesn't have isn't involved in right. Well, that's two assumptions. That's one assumption there is a God, and then you have this other assumption that He's got limited power. And I guess it's like, it's like one assumption saying, like, yeah, I don't know. yeah, it's another assumption. So one assumption with two parts. 
Yeah. And then the discussion is, could there be limitation to an infinite God? And that brings you the more philosophical inquiry (laughs) of can an infinite God, that is obviously the word infinite means unlimited, be limited? Can an infinite God be limited? Can an unlimited thing be limited? And the answer is probably no. Which means that if he's in control of anything, he's in, if he's in control of anything, he's in control of everything. It's assuming it's unlimited. What's that? It's assuming it's unlimited. Well, we know it's unlimited because it precedes, uh, it precedes space and time. And the only thing we know about limitation is space and time. And we know that it precedes space and time, so it has to be unlimited. By, uh, by ver- if there's a God, it's unlimited. One hundred percent. Can a limited can an unlimited God limit himself? Yeah. But how do you know that's not just in your own eyes? How do you know how do you know how do you know you meaning you you experience God limiting himself? Why? Well you have free will and and you know and, and there's laws of gravity, you know, like he put some laws into the world. Why is that limits? What's that? Well, I mean, we we know God could make gravity go away, like splitting of seas and stuff. But in general, God uh, God respects the rules of of nature. Created them; it's all limited. He made a system, right? I don't know. I mean, you could say it's not Him limiting Himself, but but the um, anyway. Right, right. Meaning all the all the limitation of God could just be the view of the child. Meaning the parents giving a child boundaries. You know, when those aren't really the boundaries. You know, if you tell your kid you can go to the park with mommy and daddy, or with mommy or daddy, you cannot go to the park without. And what does a kid march right out the door and goes to the park? You go to the park, you say, "What are you doing here? We just got through telling you there were limitations." And the kid says, you told me I couldn't. I just couldn't, I couldn't understand that. And so I walked to the park just to see if it was true. And I found out I could go to the park without mommy or daddy. <laughs> and so you understand, like we can, we can create limitations that don't exist in the ultimate world. And, but to the experience of that, i.e. the kid, is going to say, I better not go to the park because that's the rule. I don't want to break that rule. And so we can create that limitation. But we, but if we're God, if God's God, he's, he's the one creating it. And he's not creating it for himself. He's creating it for us. This is why, for example, God's unlimited. This is why God lets you sin, for example. Like, uh, you know, raise your hand if you've ever done anything wrong. Everybody... You never done anything wrong. Oh, that's not cool. going like that. Like, yeah, raise your hand if you ever done anything wrong. Come on, really raise it. Okay, raise your hand if you believe that you couldn't have done anything that God didn't let you do. Can you believe? Can you do something God doesn't let you do? No. So raise your hand if if you ever done anything wrong. Raise your hand if God let you do it. Raise your hand if God orchestrated it. Resident of God helped you succeed. Resident of God gave the idea. Resident of the, it's like, start to realize God's not limited by anything, but he's given limitations to us for our own, our own growth in navigating ter- the terrain of life and, and doing some stupid stuff sometimes. And 
which is in the ultimate, what God calls bad could actually only be bad because he chose it. It could be in another planet that's a mitzvah. And and the other he switched mitzvahs and averas for another planet. And for our planet, it's these are the mitzvahs to do and these are the mitzvahs not to do. And that's what God set up. Because if it was really so bad, he wouldn't have orchestrated for you. He wouldn't have given you the idea. And he wouldn't have set you up in a life where you have to bump your nose on things. Like where you've got to hit the world in ways that hurt. So obviously this is all set up for us and all the limitations are for us. And there's really no limitations vis-a-vis God. And whenever you do something stupid, which I bless you not to, but if you ever do something stupid, it's it, it did not surprise God. Okay, God wasn't like, Oh, how could you have done that? I can't believe it. You can't surprise God. And it's just for you. It's just for you. And, it, and how do you get close to God otherwise? Can you get close to God otherwise? Because think about it. If you did something stupid, you obviously lack clarity of the relationship with God. Right? If you're doing things wrong, you lack clarity, period. If you're married and you're doing things wrong, meaning against the, the vows of the marriage... <laughs> You, do you have clarity of your commitment to one another or you've lost clarity? Which one? You've lost clarity. And so what happens? You forgot to tell your spouse you were going to Vegas on a business trip. And you're calling now from Vegas. You've done something. That's stupid. That's really stupid. And it's going to have consequences. And from those consequences, one's going to start to look inside and say, hey, where was, where's my relationship that I can do something stupid like that? And the answer is it lacks clarity. Think about it. You can't, that's why our sages say you that there's no one sins unless they have a ruach shtus, right? No one sins unless they had temper. What's ruach shtus? Temporary insanity. You had to go temporarily insane, do something really stupid because you lost your clarity. But when you bump your nose on the wall, having hit a wall that you were supposed to have avoided, when you hit that thing, you're like, oh. You get, you start to feel the feeling of like distance, you know. When you come home from Vegas and you find your bedding on the couch outside and the bedroom door locked, you start to think about things. And you don't really get back in that bedroom. You're not back in the master bedroom until... You have gotten the clarity that you lacked in having gone there in the first place. As we said, you couldn't have gone there without a lack of clarity. And the only way back would be to develop clarity. But what gave you the clarity? What gave you the clarity was the negative feelings, negative emotions, and never underestimate negative emotions, which we're so busy avoiding that we'll make all kinds of assumptions, make ourselves feel better. But don't underestimate God put inside us negative emotions as our, sadly, but our GPS system towards truth. Those negative emotions are your GPS towards truth when you're lacking clarity. But don't put new assumptions. You mentioned one just now. Don't put new assumptions to make yourself feel better when the actual essence of the fabric of creation was to be built in with negative emotions so that you could get clarity and get back to closeness. But you got to be super careful of creating assumptions that make you feel better 
as opposed to using that compass inside of us, which is based on positive and negative emotion, which is the most basic thing that works for dogs, monkeys, and plants and humans. You know, not that plants have emotions, but they certainly you'll see them chasing sunlight. There's a tree in Nachlod, my neighborhood, that's like, you can see where the buildings were at different times because it's been searching for the sun as it slowly lost it over the years based on construction. It's a cool tree. It literally makes full U-turns and like it's trying to get there. And, and the don't mess up the system God made. Now you got a brain and that brain could easily mess things up by creating assumptions to make you feel better. Now we live in a generation where I bet you one sec, where I bet you the majority of young people today, especially living with the extreme pressure of the millennials, I'm talking about observant kids who are raised observant, who have extreme pressure from the millennials. That 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 are living under all kinds of assumptions. That are, you know they'll even protest things and like go out and scream on the streets, all based on assumptions that none of them have worked out. An example. And and uh, an example. An example. Yeah. An example would be. Um, for example, an anti-Israel protest, or that would be, you can only be in the anti-Israel protest if you're making a lot of assumptions that aren't true. Okay, you have to have untrue assumptions and then you can do that. Um, or that's an example of, you have untrue assumptions. You could also have ignorant assumptions. Like for example, being in an in a uh, identity politic protest over whatever it may be, minorities, women, trans, like you name it. You know, the rights of some underdog, you know, you could have false assumptions and find yourself at that. Pro- so you're and, as, and, and as Jordan Peterson says, shame on the professors to feed on totally unworked out university students who've never really thought through anything. And get them at rallying out there and pressuring systems and making a whole student body feel like they can't even say what they really believe based on the homes they were raised in. That were that, you know, maybe had true assumptions that like that to make them, God forbid, open their mouths and say something that was from their home, that that was part of their upbringing, that was based on real assumptions. And they just can't even open their mouths anymore. And thank you, professors of humanities departments in general, that, um, you know, that should lose their lose their jobs. Because we're not sending our kids to universities to have their minds closed. We're sending them there to have them opened and to have them develop and evolve as individuals, which requires the ability of being able to say what's coming to you. And so, like, the only thing we've learned from all the free speech protests is shut up. Or you'll be, you'll be de- derided by, by the, the community. And no one wants that, especially when you're young and only forming your sense of self. You know, your sense of identity is only under formation now. You certainly shouldn't be feeling any pressure to not be able to share things that are coming to you. It's an idea and you're in university. It should be shared. It's the way yeshivas work that way. I mean, less so since the Haredi movement, but in yeshivas in general, you're supposed to be able to ask anything. You know. Yes, sir. How can, Question. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so how can somebody get the 
mind to override their emotion and to tell their emotion rather. It's the assumptions coming from a place of emotion. an emotional assumption. Uh, yeah, so how could you're not on the negative emotions right now. You're just talking about doing the right things. Meaning, my emotions are telling me go do the wrong thing, or you, I was only discussing emotions regarding guilt. Both. Make up your mind. Well, it's two questions. How? Let's say. Um, one is that yeah, if somebody to somebody some emotion is telling them to go do something they shouldn't be doing, how is it? And they really want. It. How can somebody get their mind to override that and make them that one? That's one. And number two. Um, if somebody has, what was the second one? I, I think you really wanted to ask the first one. And the first question was, how do you get your mind to override desire, not emotions? It's, it's the emotion of desire. So that emotion of desire, having your head override it, would, would be coming, would be getting your assumptions that's number one. Knowing that something happened to the person, so that they could say, "I know it's from God." Still, they aren't feeling it. They know that it's from God. So what? Yeah, they know in their mind they're fine with it, but emotionally they're not. not yeah, that's two questions. I'll just answer the first one for now. Is that um, is that you have to get, have your assumptions clear? If you're desiring the wrong things, which has that play out long term? I mean, obviously, it's expedient to get it, get it fulfilled now, but how's it work in the long term? Doesn't work well. Okay, so now no one expects an animal to have you know long term plans. You know, animals don't have long term plans. They want it, they go for it. The uh, and so I'm a, I would say it's a true assumption that you're way more developed than an animal, and that long term plans are important for us. Raise your hand if you checked the weather before you left today. Anyone checked, looked online? Anyone checked for the week, just for general? I'm a mountain biker. I like rainy weather for surfing and dry weather for mountain biking. And so my whole week schedule comes out based on that weather. And it's part of me being a human being that I'm going to look at the long distance for my betterment. At this point, it's just an example of how I, my sports are going to play out throughout the week. But but I'm not an animal, okay? I'm, I'm a human being, and my brain is way more developed. Shalom, welcome. Uh, I don't know where to seat y'all. Oh, you know her? So why don't you sit there, and you can sit with this lady. So since you're not, since your brain's developed to worry about long-term stuff, and you know, you know going for the immediate, going for immediacy, is going to be a really bad long-term uh, strategy. So, so you just you got to take care of that. Now, meaning you got to do what's right and go for the long-term strategy. Now, what if it's a kind of desire that people are really bad at? That people are really bad at um, postponing. Okay, which I don't have to fill in the blanks of what most young people think is a desire worth doing. Chocolate. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Chocolate. So, what if what what if it's a desire that that seems to have its own power? Well, you gotta you gotta again breaking things down. Like what some desires, some desires have 
other kinds of law. See, you would be asking the question on like a clean slate, like a even field of choice. But there's some things, and one of those things would be having to do with, um, you know, having to do with the desire of males. It's, it's not a clean slate. There's another being involved. Her, her, her name begins with an L. We call her Lil for short. And she's, she's lives off of, that's how she lives. And so it's, most men think they're on an even playing field when in fact, they're not. there's someone else involved. And there's another being out there. And that, that being is, is, has a lot of sway. And so once I know I've got an opponent, I'm going to be much more fortified than thinking it's just another decision between do I want a strawberry vanilla shake or do I want a chocolate shake? Like, which one do I want? It's, it's not an even playing field. So you got to dissect that it is. Also, some things do have an even playing field, but some things don't. And, and you got to be aware, especially of the one I mentioned, that there's a, there's a demise in the world that feeds off of that. And, that, and, it, and you know it's true because there's nothing else you can do that can make you feel weaker. I mean, all, every other stupid thing you can do comes with negative emotions, but you're still a man. That comes with negative emotions, and now you're not a man. You know, you're, you're, you're barely a worm, not even a worm. You're not even a worm at that point. And, and you know you can't scrape yourself off the ground with a spatula. And, and the funny thing about that is, is that is that even people who have come up with a worldview full of assumptions that that that's okay, meaning, meaning, you know, just the average millennial liberal is going to think like it's really, don't even tell you it's really good for you, you know, but they all have the same, they all have those emotions, maybe not as strong, but everyone has those emotions. Unless they have a personality disorder, they're not going to want anyone seeing them doing it. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's just interesting, but, but yeah, we, we need to really break down everything and, and fortify ourselves when it's not an even playing field. And, um, but also to be more mature about, I'm talking today more about maturity and when you did something stupid and your emotional systems now red flagging you and saying like, you're bad. You know, you're bad. You're not, you don't even deserve your own, your own life because of the way you behaved. And once you have those kind of voices in your head for having done something stupid, okay, well, my compass is just binging north right now. It's just going like north, 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 meaning, meaning I went south and it's saying, feeling really bad about having gone south. And it's just screaming north right now, meaning my compass has been awakened. Big time. Why? Because how can a human being, like, think about it. Every one of you people in this room and everyone listening to this on technology, if I had jumper cables, like the ones that start a car with a dead battery, if I had jumper cables and hooked them onto your earlobes, you could power all of Jerusalem off how awesome you are. So you know if you're saying negative things about yourself, you're, you're really, you've lost it. If you're saying anything negative about yourself, whether that's to looks or skill sets or, or uh, 
Um, those skill sets. Maybe not skill sets. I mean, I, don't ask me a mathematical equation. And uh, so whether it's looks, whether it's smarts, whether it's uh, you name it, you know, yeah, 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 lovability, wantedness, worth, worthness, worth, worthiness, beauty. If you're saying anything against that stuff, you're, you, you know, you know your compass has gone crazy. Now, what a lot of people do, and this is what I was saying before, is that in, with all that millennial pl- pressure that I spoke about out there, is you will do what they do, is you'll make false assumptions to make yourself feel better and cause God's system with all those emotions to crash. And God's system with all those emotions, meaning he created you with emotions to north, so that if you do go south, you'll feel it. You'll feel negativity, and you'll even have Voices in your head that speak against you. It's like, it's like, how can you be not advocating for yourself? I mean, something's got to be wrong. If you're not advocating for yourself, you're way on the wrong path right now. So, so I mean, I understand why you may not advocate others, but we got to at least advocate ourselves. We have to be our best lawyer, and that you know that we're worth having around this place. But yet, we'll hear that voice. And I want to say one more thing is that it's, it's unique to human beings. It's unique to human beings. When gorillas, primates, who, you know, the evolutionists think are like so much like us, when, they, when primates go in and, and ruthlessly rip either one of their own or an enemy, uh, an enemy of orangutans, gorillas, chimpanzees, when they ruthlessly rip pets, you know, there's no like jungle shrink that comes and helps them with their emotions. They don't have some kind of a, they don't have some kind of a, you know, little like philosophical acrobatics they do to like put in kinds all kinds of assumptions that make them feel better. The animals. Exactly. Have, uh, conscience. Exactly. No, so it's a good thing that we have it. I wasn't saying anything. I was just saying that. It's a proof of God. It's a proof of God. That is, I said it before differently. Now I'm switching gears a little. Before I was talking about the subject of that compass, meaning the negative feelings plus the negative things about yourself, not being an advocate. That's your compass north after doing something stupid. Now I'm saying the mere fact that it exists, and by the way, it doesn't show up Anywhere in the brain, you know, meaning if you have negative emotions, that would show up on a brain scan, but you know, it would show up somewhere in there that, you know, you're having some negative emotions that does, show up. but that's not the source of feelings. It's just, a rep- you know, it's representing the feelings. Like when you're feeling the feelings, like you can see that. Can you explain that? What's that? Can you elaborate on that fact that? Well, I, that's why I brought up the primates, is that is that it's such a unique invention, the conscience. By the way, uh, Hitler himself stated that I've come to rid the world of, of the false vision of conscience and morality. These were Jewish inventions, which is idiotic, idiotic. I mean, we certainly promote those things, but we did not invent them. You know, how do you invent such a thing? It's something that's attached to the mystery of consciousness itself because every conscious being has it. 
even Hitler himself, the idiot, thought that he was doing something good. It's like, what do you, what do you, like, you're the biggest hypocrite in the world. You're here to get rid of what's the part of ourselves called good, which is the conscience that gets us towards north. You're here to get rid of that because that's bad, which is a value judgment of good and bad. Like, what kind of knucklehead are you? You know, and what makes you think getting rid of Jews gets rid of it? It wasn't the Jews who made it. Maybe God chose the Jews to, like, you know, spread it. But, like, come on. Like, why are you going after the messenger? You know, go after the message. But there were a lot of other things at play with the Holocaust having to do with our redemption into modern Israel and ultimately basically Dutch and stuff. So we had to get hit by a tr specific tribe that hits us on our redemptions. It hit us when we left Egypt. The next time we left anywhere was Babylon. It hit us there in the Purim story with Haman. And then the last time we came back was this time and we got, we had to get hit. So we got hit again. You know? So that's, you have to take your hits. If you come, you want to, if you want to come back to the land of Israel, it comes with a hit from, a particular tribe called Amalek. Yeah. How that? Oh, just one more thing about that is Hitler. I'm sure a lot of you wished you could have like, wouldn't it have been great if you were in class with Hitler and saw the way he doodled against the Jews and killed them. And then we wouldn't have had the Holocaust. So according to Chazal, that's not right. Had, had you, you could, you, he could have stayed alive and said, you know what? I have some really bad ideas. Maybe I should go see a therapist. And the therapist gets him over it. No Holocaust? No. Holocaust happened. They, sorry, that Holocaust happened because ho that Holocaust was to happen. Hitler, may he be, his name and memory be erased from all time. His role in it was chosen by him. Had he not chosen it, another would have. You see, he had no problem getting people behind him. Which means there was a second in command and a third in command and a fourth in command and a fifth examiner. Now, of course, he chose it, so we use his name as the, you know, almost synonymous with the, the Nazi movement, or synonymously with the Nazi movement. But it's, uh, but it was a, it was a choice he made, just like anyone else, you know, he chose to go for it. And had he not chosen to go for it, someone else would have chosen to go for it. It was time for that. And, you know, it's, it's, and I know that sounds freaky. I imagine that sounds freaky. I know that sounds freaky, but spiritual traditions have freaky things going on. And we're part of a very, very, very spiritual tradition. And we have to deal with very, very, very freaky stuff. And that's just one of the freaky things. That, by the way, there's a lot of freaky cool things too. So don't you love the freaky cool things? I mean, don't you love the fact that if you fully commit to something and burn all your run, run, your exits from turning back, that you'll succeed? I mean, that's cool. And it's freaky. I mean, you can take on something really crazy that's like so beyond like, so beyond like probability of succeeding in it. But because you went fully in, you just went fully in and you... You have to get rid of your exits. You got rid of all your exits, so you can't back out. So you really have no choice but forward. That it succeeds every time without fail. With the minor exception of that, if it's going to be so bad for you. And one more important thing, and God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to get that badly messed up. Because we've all done stuff that messed us up. 
And it's not that he didn't love us enough. He just figured, I love you so much. I don't want you to like hit your face like that. I don't want you to bump into things that badly. I do love you and I don't want you to do that. But I'm also outside of space and time. And I feel that I love you so much that you'll grow so much more by doing something that stupid and getting all those negative emotions that will finally point you north properly. Meaning that you'll get your map straight so that, so that you can really be in an amazing space. I hit 410 by accident. Um, I, if anyone has a really important question, you can ask me outside. Outside, um, Please, if you're watching this live, click on whatever's necessary. You know, all those buttons, share, subscribe. All that good stuff, but really share it with your friends. Let's get it out there. And, uh, and obviously join the club to help us promote these at uh, yomtobmediaclub.com. Yomtobmediaclub.com. Shalom, everybody. Blessings. Blessings. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.